Hi, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and I'm back again with another CEO roundtable interview. And of course, today is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, it's a day that everybody should feel lucky, and I feel really lucky to have Edward Ed Petoniak, who is the CEO of Vici Properties with me, ticker symbol V-I-C-I, of course, the casino REIT. So you got to feel lucky today, or the gaming REIT, I should say. So Ed, it's good to see you today. Good to be back with you, Brad. Always good to be back with you. Well, listen, I've uh, got a lot to talk about here, uh, so we'll try to get to the chase. Uh, you just announced fairly recently, uh, along with Apollo, uh, a takedown, an acquisition, if you will, of the Venetian, which I've stayed there uh, maybe a couple times. Uh, $6.25 billion transaction. Uh, Vici's funding about $4 billion on the real estate, and then Apollo stepped in. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, that new deal. Yeah, so um, this is a deal that when we first started working on it, Brad, when, when I first started to get the sense, hey, this could actually happen, I was literally kind of beside myself. And the reason I was beside myself, and you'll appreciate this as a guy who knows American real estate as well as anyone, is that if you look at American real estate and you look at the apex of the American commercial real estate pyramid, there are certain assets at the top of that pyramid that define their categories. GM building defines for many people, the office category, Alamoana Mall in Honolulu defines the mall category, right? Um, you can look at some of the assets that Prologis owns, like uh, their amazing asset occupied by Amazon up outside of Seattle known as uh, Georgetown Crossroads. So when we looked at the Venetian, we realized this is the top of the pyramid, not only in gaming real estate, but in real estate broadly, let me just hold, uh, rattle off for you, Brad, a, a few superlatives. It has over 7,000 hotel rooms, making it the largest single hotel complex in America. It has 2.3 million square feet of convention space, making it the largest privately owned convention center in America. It has 8 million total built square feet, making it one of America's larger assets in terms of square footage. And we bought those square feet for $489 per square foot land in. Now, Brad, I know you've built some buildings in your lifetime, and I don't know how many of you were able to build of this scale and this quality for $489 a square foot land in. And we did all this for a 6.25% cap rate, right? And as your followers know, within the grand scheme of Apex American commercial real estate, nobody buys anything for six and a quarter cap rate. The kind of assets that I just uh, put this in the company of, assets like the GM building, like Alamoana, as you know, they trade at cap rates to start with a three handle or a four handle. And we are giving our owners, our equity owners, an opportunity here to participate in this cap rate compression story that gaming real estate represents. But I should again emphasize, we didn't really buy a, a, a gaming real estate per se. We bought 8 million square feet, of which only a little over 5% is actually occupied by casino space. The rest of it is this massive, massive physical complex. And the most important customer in 2019 of this asset pre-pandemic was not a Baccarat player. It was one of America's largest corporations that spent nearly nine figures, nearly nine figures in this building because of its centrality to their business as a place where they gather, 
Well, that's a congratulations. And, uh, and again, full disclosure, I'm a shareholder and have been a shareholder of Vici for quite a while. In fact, uh, the company is about 41 months old as a public, as a REIT, uh, when you listed. Uh, and just looking at this before we got on the call, $12 billion of acquisitions, and you raise more equity than any other REIT out there. So uh, tremendous growth spurt. So we're starting to see really this, this, this scale advantage starting to take effect, right? I mean, you know, you, you did take down Venici, which is one of the trophy assets there in Las Vegas, really in the country, in the world. Um, so using that scale advantage. So can you kind of reflect a little bit more on kind of those 41 months since you went public through today? Yeah, uh, I kind of get tired, Brad, just thinking about it because man, we've done a lot of work, but it's been exhilarating. It's been so exhilarating to tell a story about a new asset class, right? You're somebody who's, who's worked in real estate, who covers real estate. You know how exciting it can be when you bring a new asset class to people's attention and they realize there's value to be had there, they're not able to find elsewhere, right? And that's been one of the key reasons we've been able to access so much equity. We started raising equity in, uh, I guess it was late November, early December, 2017, through a pipe at 18.50 a share. We did our IPO at 20. We did our first follow-on at 21. We did our second one at 21.50. We did a fourth one, a uh, fourth raise at, I think it was 22.15. And to finance the Venetian, we announced two weeks ago today, we were raising 60 odd million shares, a couple billion dollars. That's pretty real money. And over the course of the day, we were able eventually to price this offering at a 1.8% premium to the prior day's close. That is how avid equity holders, equity investors were to get in on the action of, of, of buying this real estate at still are what very, very attractive terms. And again, it has to do with this recognition that number one, man, did we come out of COVID strong, right? We collected, as you told your, your followers before, we collected 100% of our rent in 2020 in cash on time. Growth profile. We have what we think is one of the strongest growth profiles in American REITs. We grew 10 point, we grew our AFFO per share 10.5% last year. Our consensus AFFO growth, based on our guidance, and we were one of the first REITs to restore guidance, which we did back in February with our year-end earnings call, midpoint of guidance is going to give you about 12% AFFO growth per share, right? And if you'll, if you'll if indulge me for another minute or two, Brad, I want to talk about one of my favorite metrics when evaluating an equity investment opportunity, which is not only what earnings am I buying today, what are the future earnings I'm buying based on the growth? And one of the best ways to capture that dynamic of today's earnings plus tomorrow's earnings is to look at that old fashioned price earnings growth ratio, or in REIT terms, add the yield component as well. So if you take our, our FFO growth of nearly 12%, you add our dividend yield of about 4.5%, you get a total of about 16 about 16, right? Numerically. Our AFFO multiple right now, which is, as your REIT followers know, is basically the equivalent of a price earnings multiple, is 15.5. So our peg plus yield ratio is under one. It's about 
0.97 or 0.98, right? There's no other REIT in America where you can get that. The S&P 500 right now has what looks like an attractive peg ratio of about 2.4 to 1, but the S&P 500 has a 43 times price earnings multiple offset by what looks like attractive growth for 2021 at 23, 24% growth in earnings per share. The only problem is earnings per share last year declined 35%. So you're paying 43 times to only get partway back to 2019. We gave you 10.5% last year. We're gonna give you almost 12% this year. And because of the Venetian, which we just spoke about, we'll give you very nice AFF growth next year. Then we get into our embedded pipeline, which we can talk about perhaps later in this conversation. Sure. And, and by the way, uh, while you're speaking, I just looked at, so, you know, Vici has now hit, you know, all-time highs uh, this week, over $29 a share. Pre-pandemic shares were trading at just over $28. So, um, you know, really all-time high here. So in terms of your cost of capital, you went in at a six and a quarter cap rate. By the way, I think that lease is 30 years, uh, so a longer lease term on the Venetian deal. Uh, but can you talk about kind of that, your cost of capital today? And really, a lot of our, uh, my subscribers and followers always, always asking me about inflation and how, you know, REITs are going to be impacted. So with it, can you talk a little bit about how you've got kind of an, an advantage, I guess, uh, with your lease terms and how you structured these master leases and so forth? Uh, because obviously, in a, even in a rising rate environment, uh, you're, you're able to grow your income stream with, your, with these rent bumps and locking in those spreads uh, over a long period of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just to start with, that's, some, that's what we've worked on every single day since we started, which is improving our cost of capital. Um, and and it, it has obviously, to your point, continually improved. Um, the deal we did for the Venetian, even though that cap rate is low by gaming real estate standards, it is still very accretive to us on an earnings per share basis, and it gives us a very nice cash on cash yield out of the gate. But to your point, Brad, every REIT investor should ask, if I'm really truly buying to hold, what's my cash on cash yield look like 10 years from now? And so to your point, our rents, 90, once we close on the Venetian, 95, well, let me start. Every one of our leases escalates, right? At a blended average of about 1.6%. But when you lever that up, it turns into over 2% AFFO growth per share. The Probably the more important thing to focus on right now is that once we close on the Venetian, 95% of our rent roll has a CPI component, meaning the rent escalates at the higher of whatever the lease calls for or CPI, right? So as your followers look ahead and as they contemplate a period where we're gonna see really wonderful economic growth with perhaps some inflation, our ability to give you that, that, that AFFO growth plus dividend growth plus inflation protection is, is way more exciting than buying a T-bill and worrying that its value is only going to decline because rates and inflation are going to run and leaving me with no real return. Yeah. So, and I guess the last thing I want to touch on is, is that growth, that external growth. I mean, obviously we talked about the Venetian 
Um, and I know that, you know, you've gone into some alternative spaces. You've bought the Chelsea Pier, which I'm very familiar with there in uh, on the west side uh, there in Manhattan, um, which I know is a financing deal, you know, not a not an pure equity deal, but you have, you know, moved outside of the circle a little bit into other spaces. But can you talk about what's the pipeline of gaming product within the U.S.? Um, you know, it looks like there's still a significant amount of opportunity. If you could touch on that, the, the ROFO or the right of first refusal pipeline as well. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start with what we call our embedded growth pipeline. Um, one analyst who follows us uh, has estimated that our embedded growth pipeline represents somewhere between 325 million and 450 million of incremental rent, not transaction volume, incremental rent, which means, you know, anywhere from five to 7 billion of actual acquisition volume, right? So if you stretch that out over the next four to five years, which is the time frame in which either these rofers or put call arrangements are there, you're going to continue to get um, steady AFO growth if we do nothing else than just simply execute on our embedded growth pipeline, right? Um, beyond that, to your point, there is an addressable market within gaming in North America, frankly, and, and potentially even outside of North America that is substantial. But as, as we've talked about in the past, Brad, we position BG as an experiential REIT from the beginning. And so no one was totally taken by surprise by us doing the Chelsea Piers deal you referred to that we did last summer. Um, and we will continue to look for experiential real estate that has the right investment attributes, low cyclicality, no secular threat, healthy supply demand balance, and a durable end user experience. And we think that the next 10, 20 years for experiential real estate having been strong years coming into this crisis are gonna be even stronger coming out. Because, oh my Lord, are we all sick of sitting at home just doing business with Amazon and, and having UPS or FedEx come to our door. We wanna go out and we wanna have experiences. You're, you're, you're gonna see that in Las Vegas this weekend with March Madness. The crowds in Las Vegas are gonna be much bigger than anybody has anticipated. Um, and it's reflected right now in the room rates. So again, we love the fact that we have this embedded pipeline because it enables us to be disciplined in what we go after, whether in gaming or outside gaming. But I do think our track record of 12 billion of deals in 41 months is pretty promising that we'll stay pretty busy from here forward. Great. And um, last question, Ed, is... Um going to be, I think, always try to end with the most important, at least from a retail prospector lens, and that is, you know, the dividend. And uh, Vici has uh, had a, again, pretty successful, relatively short history of dividend growth. Now, you've already touched on, you know, the fact that it looks like the guidance for 21 is about 12% growth uh, at the midpoint, roughly. Um, and then, um, how do you feel about that in, in, in context to your dividend policy? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we've, we've been determined from day one to make sure we have a dividend, dividend policy that, that enables our owners to count on that dividend through thick and thin. And when we succeed in growing the company, they will benefit through the growing dividend. So Brad, here's a question for you. How many other REITs of any size increased their dividend by 10.9% last year in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic? <laughs> Not too many, right? 
Uh, in fact, I, 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 I don't think we saw it. I mean, I'm trying to think probably no double digit, uh, you know, we've got cannabis. I don't know what his numbers were at IIPR, but, uh, but certainly, uh, that's probably the only exception. Yeah. And, and again, we grew the dividend 10.9%, but while doing so, we also maintained our targeted payout ratio annualized of about 75%, right? So Vici is not over, overgrowing, if you will, the dividend at the risk of the payout ratio and the sustainability of the dividend, right? We're growing it, we're growing it responsibly. And I do think you can take our growth rate and you can probably then, okay, take Vici's growth rate, you know, uh, multiply it by 0.75, i.e. three quarters. And that's, that's probably a pretty sustainable dividend growth pattern going forward, right? Yeah. And so needless to say, then, if, if, if a REIT is going to be a leader, especially among large cap REITs and AFFO growth, it pretty well stands to reason we have the opportunity to be a leader in dividend growth. Yeah. Are there any other indexes that we should look for? I mean, I'm trying to, in terms of your size, uh, what's kind of the next index for you to look at? Yeah, so Brad, um, by the time we close on the Venetian, if you take the rent that we add through the Venetian, right? Um, and you annualize it, uh, which is to say probably our 2022 uh, rent levels. And given our triple net structure, that turns into 100% into NOI. Uh, and because of our very low GNA, uh, I should point out that since 2018, we've grown our cash GNA by about $2 million, but we have grown our rent by a billion, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 20 basis points of GNA expansion to fund a billion dollars of rent growth. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic here. When we close on the Venetian deal and when you annualize that rent, we will have what we estimate to be about the 10th largest EBITDA production of any four wall REIT in America. So leave aside the cell towers, which aren't in the RMZ. What I, the way I should put it, Brad, is we'd be about the 10th largest REIT in the RMZ by EBITDA production. Now, nobody can predict, at least nobody I've met, can predict how and why and when you get included in the S&P 500. But as the 10th largest REIT in the RMZ, we feel our chances of eventually getting added, we hope, are strong. Yeah. I also had, I, I had to point out, Brad, that our two largest tenants on March 22nd here will be added to the S&P 500. Caesars and Penn will be added to the S&P 500. So I do think the equity markets are coming to recognize that we are big companies with big market caps. Right. Once you count for all the forward equity that we've issued, almost 2.6 billion of it, um, we'll have a market cap that's, you know, if we continue to trade well, it'll take us up toward the $20 billion mark. Yeah. And as you know, there's not a lot of REITs up at, at, at that high in elevation. Well, you know, when you were saying I was actually, that's what I was thinking about the S&P 500. You know, we cover, of course, WP Carry, which is an indirect peer, and they're not on that list yet, but you're, you've surpassed you know, WP carry in, in size, market cap, and total enterprise value. So um, I agree. I think that's, uh, that's kind of the next, next place I would be looking for sure. And when the day comes, if it does come, Brad, 
you can be among those people who are able to say, I knew Vici when they were scraggly little punk trying to fight their way <laughs> into the big leagues, right? And, and we really appreciate the fact that you, you recognized much earlier than most people did that, hey, there might be something going on here. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to, next time I stay at the Venetian, which is hopefully soon, I'm just going to say, look, I'm a shareholder and I need a VIP <laughs> room up there, you know, in the very top suite. So uh, anyway, I, I love to show, I love to throw that all around to uh, when I travel and, and say, hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually, I actually own part of this, you know. Give me you do. Room. And, you know, and what we all need to be grateful for, Brad, is that when Sheldon Adelson created the Venetian, um, I think he put himself among the great placemakers in American history, right? Yeah. I mean, the audacity of what he did hasn't been rivaled by many. Eight million square feet is a lot of square feet. Yeah. And again, the thing to remember is Mr. Adelson didn't come into this from gaming. He came in having made his first fortune in the business of Americans gathering, right? Through conventions, uh, business conventions, association conventions and trade shows. And, um, you know, what he built in its scale and its quality is, is really unlike anything else out there. And uh, we will be very, very proud to perpetuate the legacy of what he, what he built. Great. Well, listen, Ed, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, very helpful to me and I'm sure every, our audience as well. So uh, I want to wish you the best and we'll, we'll definitely uh, be back in touch with you again uh, very soon to discuss the first quarter earnings and uh, congratulations on the uh, now all-time high uh, Beachy Properties. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. And don't forget, Nareets in Las Vegas in November. See you <laughs> there. there. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>